This morning's scripture reading comes from Ephesians 6, verses 21 through 24. So that you may also know how I am doing and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Thanks be to God. This is uh, the end of Ephesians. Uh, and if you've been with us for uh, a few, several months now, really, uh, we have been walking through this book to understand who the church is and how Paul describes us and tells us who the church is to be. If you've been with us for uh, an extra month or so, you know we've gone through even our own vision and values of who we are as a church. And so we've looked at us very specifically. We've looked at who the church is has been designed to be and what graces uh, God has given his people to be able to come together, to be uh, rooted in Christ's love. That is the name of our sermon series that we've had through Ephesians. And this Sunday actually serves as kind of a bridge Sunday into our next sermon series, which is on worship. And we call, we're calling that Habits of the Heart. And so this week we look at a benediction that Paul gives the church in Ephesus. Some popular benedictions that we've heard. Let's see if you guys can guess these. They're, they're pretty easy. It's a pretty easy quiz, if you will. May the force be with you. There we go. Live long and prosper. Did someone say and also with you when I say okay? okay. <laughs> Star Trek. We're on live long and prosper. May the odds be ever in your favor. Hunger Games. May the hair on your toes never fall out. Hobbit. The Hobbit. Oh, come on, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> You're in the same universe. There are some biblical benedictions. Paul, uh, where we got our sermon series title from, uh, in chapter 3 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or imagine, according to the power at work within him, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. From number 6, the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Biblically speaking, a benediction is a prayer that God uh, and Christ would be present and active in his people's lives. And it's usually what we do at the very end of a service. So it's a blessing that the pastor gives to the congregation to be able to send them out into the world, to have their eyes and ears open to what God is going to do. And it's something that's received. So, you know, a pastor, me, if you will, puts his hands out like this, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives that to you as something that you carry as you put your hands out and and to receive that as well. Paul ends his letter with a benediction just as we end our worship services. And a benediction implies two things, a pastor and a congregation. That's what we're going to look at this morning, a pastor and a congregation. Who grew up in church? Raise your hands if you grew up in church. 
So what are some words, and there are no wrong answers, what are some words that you would use to describe church? Holy. Holy. Community. Family. House of the Lord. Sometimes there's some negative ones that we have too, right? Connotations, frustrating, challenging, difficult, hypocritical, obligation. Wow, these are coming a lot faster. <laughs> Loud. Performance sometimes, maybe. What? Long. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, we'll keep moving. What are some words that we would use to describe pastors? Loud. <laughs> Holy. Long. Non-judgmental. People, people. Mm-hmm. Loving, human, compassionate communicators, hopefully compassionate communicators as well, tired, mm-hmm. sometimes egotistical, sometimes performance-based, sometimes some of the same words that we would use for the church as well. What we have here is both a picture of who a pastor can be maybe should be, as well as who a church can and should be as well. So let's look at this passage this morning. Paul writes that Tychicus is going to be the one who goes to the Ephesian church to be able to tell them who, uh, what Paul is doing and how he is doing and to be able to uh, relay all of this. Paul calls him a beloved brother, a faithful minister, whose purpose is to encourage their hearts and to notice God's faithfulness in their lives. Benedictions remind us of God's ongoing work in our lives. They're spoken as a blessing. It's a good word that sends us out of worship and back into our daily lives, where the grace and peace and love are lived out as we experience and long for God's faithfulness in our life. And in the very same way, this is what a pastor is supposed to do as well, to remind us, the church, and to help us see what God is doing in our lives as we live our lives between the benedictions. Our lives aren't lived here in this hour or so that we spend together on a Sunday morning. This is a time where we receive and be, and be reminded of who God is and what he is doing. Uh, but our lives are lived out in between the benedictions. Paul calls Tychicus a brother because he's a fellow sojourner. He is in process of this in this life of faith, just as we all are in the church as well. He shares in the grace and peace and love that is needed in this life. In verse 22, Paul says, I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. This word encourage that Paul uses is the word parakaleo, which quite simply means to come alongside and to speak This kaleo is to call, to speak, to invite uh, us to see what God is doing 
in our lives. This spoken invitation is something that we regularly need to be reminded of. And he says this at the very end. It's God's peace. It's God's love and grace and God's faithfulness. Because so much of how life is lived out and what we experience between the benedictions can cloud our vision and our hearts to what God is faithfully doing and patiently working out in our lives as well. As a faithful minister, Tychicus is one who is entrusted to serve the needs of others. A pastor's role is to be aware of the needs of those God has entrusted to him, and this naturally implies a relationship that goes beyond professional niceties. In the American church, we have often confused a pastor's role for many other things. Uh, Sometimes he serves, he or she serves as a CEO or as a religious entrepreneur, a professional, uh, a religious entertainer, or some kind of divine mascot or celebrity. But Eugene Peterson says, if people don't know their pastor, it's easy to put the pastor on a pedestal and depersonalize him or her. It's also easy for pastors who don't know their congregations simply to classify congregants as saved or unsaved, involved or not involved, tithers or non-tithers. He says, my job is not to solve people's problems or make them happy, but to help them see the grace operating in their lives. My job, my role, my vocation as a pastor here is not to treat you like a problem to be solved or a project that needs worked on, but as someone who God desperately longs to reveal and work his grace in your life. If I ever treat you like that, first of all, please have some grace for me, but also remind me that this, that, that of what I am doing and what I should be doing. Because God doesn't need me to do this work. He is working in your lives. But he asks for me to participate with him in this. And so I'm participating with God. And I'm not doing the work in your life. But I am coming alongside you, inviting you to be able to see what he is doing as well. To notice and participate in this life of God between the benedictions. The last job I worked at, uh, or that I worked bef- before going into ordained ministry, was as a waiter uh, in a pop-up restaurant in St. Louis. And it was with a guy, John Perkins, who I'd worked with uh, numerous times. But most of the time I worked in the kitchen, and I'd never worked from the house before. Um, so I was a little nervous, a little scared going out and doing this, but it was uh, so much fun. I loved being able to do this. I made uh, more than a few mistakes. One of them, most notably, Stacy was there to witness, uh, thankfully, um, as uh, I tried to carry uh, smoking hot cast irons out of the kitchen to the table that she and many of my other friends were sitting at. And as they began falling to the center, um, realizing that I wasn't going to be able to grab onto these and stop this from happening, um, they all crashed to the floor. Um, that made a lot of noise. I made a lot of noise. Um, and uh, thankfully, he was very kind and gracious in correcting me in this. But 
I also loved it. I loved getting to talk to people, something I love. I loved getting to talk to them about food, something I deeply love. And I love being able to think through and pay attention and try to my best abilities to intuit the needs that they had at their table. How are they going to have the best time here when they come and visit this restaurant. It was serving them. And this is the word that Paul uses when he describes Tychicus. This word minister is where we get the word deacon, and it's waiter or waitress. It's used quite quite frequently in that way. It's someone who serves at the table. My role is to serve at the table and to notice how God is faithfully at work in your lives, to point out where there is peace, where there is love, where there is grace, but also to notice where there isn't. My job is to be observant to what God is doing in your life and to speak aloud the invitation to join in. This happens in the context of a church, in the context of the congregation. That's what Paul talks about starting in verse 23. He says, Peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Paul has spent his entire letter so far, uh, well, the entirety of the letter, talking about what it looks like to be the church and how Christ has formed, how he's torn down this wall of division between disparate groups of people, how Christ works through his life, death, and resurrection into our lives so that we can have peace and grace and love in our lives. And these are the characteristics of the church. This is what it boils down to, peace, wholeness, oneness, togetherness, and a a love that's eternal that takes place between one another that never runs out, and how we then live that outside of the church as well. And grace, because we won't always have peace and love for one another, and it's because grace is that characteristic that fills in the gaps when peace and love are missing. In verse uh, 24, or sorry, verse 23, Paul has this little phrase when he says, Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father. This is a very difficult phrase and and grammatically uh, and structurally. Faith is a word uh, that can also mean faithfulness. So it can either emphasize the faith that we have in Christ and how we work that out, or it can mean the faithfulness that God has towards his people. Nine times out of ten, I'm going to emphasize what God is doing and how his faithfulness is being worked out toward his people rather than the faith that we have towards him. It's not that they're not both there, but the emphasis, I believe, is on how God is faithful to us as he accomplishes his peace, love, and grace in his people and the church. Because living life and the benedictions can be incredibly difficult. It can be so much easier for us to curse someone rather than to bless them, to write them off. Just this week, uh, very flippantly, I was I stopped in a store. I was walking out and uh, trying to dodge traffic, paying attention to what car had stopped for me to cross uh, back into the parking lot and whatnot. And as I was made, had made my way through traffic and I'm almost to my car, this guy leans out the window and says, hurry up and I wasn't quite sure what to do Uh, I turned around 
and looked, and he was staring right at me. And all he said was, hurry up. But in doing so, he cursed. He put something to hang it on my head that I wasn't moving fast enough for him, that I wasn't on his pace, and that my life didn't add up to what he wanted for it. This is a problem with benedictions versus curses. Curses hang. They linger on. It can be something our parents said to us when we were teenagers. It can be something that a teacher said to us one time or a coach. It can be something that a boss just kind of flippantly says as, as an offhand comment. We remember it, and that aftertaste, the bitterness, hangs on our palate for years afterwards often. But a benediction needs to be repeated over and over and over and over again because we so easily and so quickly forget them. They don't stick with us. They can easily be wiped away by the next curse that's said or the but that happens in the middle of the sentence. This is why, as a part of our worship and a part of the pastoral work, we say the benediction over and over and over again to be a continual reminder of God's grace at work in our lives. But as the church, we don't just do that here. We take the benediction outside the church with us. We don't just hold it on for ourselves. We've received a benediction. We've received grace. We've received peace. We've received love that knows no end. And so we take this out with us and extend it to those whom we're in relationship with. Because God doesn't restrain his faithfulness just the couple of hours that we spend together on Sundays, nor does he just want us to hold on to this and hoard it for ourselves. But we are to live our lives out between the benedictions, lives of peace, lives of love, lives of grace. Again, God doesn't need the church, just as he doesn't need a pastor to do this, but he wants the church to participate with him in extending his grace and peace and love. Now, I could have Eugene Peterson quoted us to death today um, for a lot of reasons, but I have only one more quote from him. Eugene said, a church can never be reduced to a place where goods and services are exchanged. It must never be a place where a person is labeled. It can never be a place where gossip is perpetuated. Before anything else, it is a place where a person is named and greeted whether implicitly or explicitly, in Jesus' name, a place where dignity is confirmed. In other words, a place where benediction happens. What are some of the ways that we can extend benediction in our everyday lives? To whom are some of those people we need to extend benediction to? It's my hope that in the next few weeks as we explore what our practices of worship are, that we will begin to see what some of those practices are and that to whom those people uh, that we're in relationship with, that we can extend benediction, how we can participate in God's faithfulness between the benedictions. What's likely going to happen is that as we begin to see all the places in our lives and the lives of those around us where there isn't peace and where there isn't love, we're going to begin to see our need of grace as well. There's a Japanese art called kintsugi, which is called golden joinery. 
It is the practice of taking a broken pot, a broken vessel, and joining it together, repairing this pottery by mending the areas of breakage with a lacquer that's been mixed with gold, silver, or platinum. And this actually makes it even more beautiful than it was before it was broken. One of the artists said this, When we use gold to restore cracks, it means that we accept the cracks, the imperfections. The spirit of this art is to preserve the broken objects' imperfections, to showcase these cracks instead of hiding them. It's a slow and quiet process, a process that keeps you in anticipation of the result. The church's purpose isn't to hide our cracks, our imperfections. The church's purpose is to proclaim the peace, grace, and love that we have received through Jesus Christ, to be able to display how he has healed our imperfections, our brokenness through his life, his death, and resurrection. It is his incorruptible, immortal, everlasting, eternal love that he pours into the cracks of our lives that he asks us to display. So as a pastor, when I ask you, what is God doing in your life? This is not the super spiritual question, but it's an everyday question for us to look and be invited into where God is pouring out his grace like golden lacquer to mend the broken pieces of our lives. As a pastor who gets to walk alongside you, what gets me more excited than talking about food and drink is being able to be an audience to what God is doing in your life, to be able to walk alongside you, to be um, involved in that way that invites you to participate in God's grace and peace and love in your life, to be a witness to what, how Christ is restoring the cracks in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, you extend to us your grace and peace and love through Jesus Christ, and we are so grateful that we get to be called into a community uh, of, of called your church, called your people, we pray that you would continue to work out uh, in our lives um, where we need grace, peace, and love. We pray that we would see it. We pray that our eyes would be open to it. And we pray that we would be vessels of it, Lord. Broken vessels that you have mended back together so that we may be able to pour out uh, your life into the life of those around us. Lord, help us remember, help us to see how you are faithful in the lives we live between the benedictions. In your holy name we pray. Amen.